0: there is one phrase that i want us to focus on this morning it's there in verse 15 in the second part of verse 15 as joseph uh, sorry he begins to bless joseph and says to, to him god before whom my fathers abraham and isaac walked The God who fed me, who has fed me all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. I want us to focus in due course this morning on the phrase, the God who has fed me all my life long to this day. Now in scripture there are some wonderful instances of the power and the grace of God breaking into people's lives, changing the whole direction of their lives. Perhaps one of the most prominent examples in the Old Testament is Manasseh. You boys and girls remember Manasseh? He was not a a man who you would think that God would ever do anything with because he was a man given to bloodshed for 55 years. And he was taken away captive into Babylon. And while in Babylon, God humbled him, subdued him and changed his life and brought him back. Then, of course, in the New Testament, you have the example of the man Saul of Tarsus, who became the greatest apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Saul was a persecutor. He was a violent man. He was a blasphemer. But the power of God broke into his life he was confronted by christ and a changed man i'm not sure you want to put jacob in this quite the same category as manasseh or the apostle paul yet that same power and grace of god worked powerfully in this man's life god renamed him israel he became the father of the 12 tribes But if you know anything about the life of Jacob, you would say it was a chequered history, to say the least. It's covered in the last 25 chapters or so of the book of Genesis. And I have no hope of covering all of that by any stretch of imagination. But in chapter 48 and verses 15 and 16, you have... The words he spoke as he blessed Joseph and the sons of Joseph, Manasseh and Ephraim. They are the words of a dying man. They are the words of a very old man. Now, I'm aware of my increasing age and all many of you are too, but I don't think I will ever live to be 147. And that was the age of Jacob at this particular point. He is in Egypt. He is weak in his body. He can't see very well, but he is strong in faith and he is testifying to the God of grace and God's grace to him. He embraces the past and looks back over his 147 years and gives a confession. He testifies. To the grace of God and speaks of the God who has fed me all my life long to this day. But I think you will find that you can identify with this Jacob. And that as you look back over your life, you ought to be able to testify to God's grace and God's power at work in your life. There are probably significant events that you can trace out and say, I can only explain that by the grace and power of God. The most prominent occasion would be, of course, your conversion to Christ. The day you were brought to acknowledge that he was your only Lord and savior as we look then at jacob this morning let me try first of all i'm not going to succeed but i will try to give you a thumbnail sketch of his life because we need to put what he says here into a context of 147 years now scripture actually does that for us one of the commentators on this passage points us to hosea and chapter 12 you may like to turn to that if not just listen but in hosea chapter 12 there is a mention of jacob in verse 3 and here is the first thing even in his birth there's something significant he took his brother esau that was verse 3 he took his brother by the heel in the womb and in his strength he struggled with god Yes, he struggled with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought favor from him. He found him in Bethel. And then in verse 12, it speaks of Jacob fleeing to the country of Syria. Israel, Jacob, served for a spouse. That was his days with Laban, his uncle. Served for a spouse and for a wife he tended sheep. There are a number of verbs in those words there. He took his brother by the heel. He fled to Syria. He served for a spouse. He tended sheep. He struggled with God, the angel of the Lord. He prevailed. He wept. He sought favor from him. He found him in Bethel. This is describing what was going on in his life, some of the significant events in his life. But the best way to look at it, there are successive concerns that he has. Three concerns. First of all, he has concern about his brother. From the day of his birth, he was struggling with his brother, Esau. And Esau, of course, was a problem to him in as they grew up, they were twins, but he was a problem to him. And then you have the time when he was seeking a wife, a spouse. He spent time with Laban, and Laban was not a very good man. We'll come to him in a moment. But he wasn't a very kind man to Jacob. But he did secure more than one wife. And then God is his concern. Esau, a wife, God. And it is God who he mentions here very clearly in Verse 3 of chapter 48. God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. Jacob's life had very many different events. And it's a life like many of us. You see in your own life as you look back, as you look back in Jacob's life, you see a, a good deal of darkness perversity the iniquity and crookedness of sin the selfish wrongs that sin works in human lives but not only that Jacob himself was a sinful man and his sins brought him into all sorts of troubles at times but he was sinned against Laban was not a good man to His parents were not always true. Rachel, his mother, was the one who helped him deceive Isaac, his father. His brother Esau, he had to run from him because Esau hated him because of what Jacob had done to him. He was a sinner and he was sinned against. His life, in many ways, if you look back, is a tangled mess. His family life was not a happy one. He had to flee from home. And then he and his brother split. And then, of course, later on, he lost, he thought, his youngest son, Joseph, was taken off into Egypt and carried away, and made a slave. And he thought that he had died. And then there was the deceit of some of his sons, with the incident over Dinah in Shechem, and the revenge that they took because Dinah had been violated. They slaughtered the Shechemites and made Jacob odious in the sight of the Shechemites. You you could go on. I could record a number of other incidents where you see that Jacob's life was really quite a tangled mess. Jacob's very name indicates that he was the one who grasped his brother by the heel at birth. There was a conflict going on in in the womb of their mother. They were struggling together. She knew it; she felt it. Those of you who be mothers and carry children, you sometimes get a kick, you get a boot, and you're aware that there's a child in there. Well, there were twins in her womb, and they were fighting; they were struggling. So she knew all about that. And then, when he comes out of the womb, he's grabbing hold of his of his of his brother's heel. He's not going to let him go. He's fighting even at birth. And his name, Jacob, means a supplanter, a deceitful man, one who wrongfully seizes the position, the place of another and takes what belongs to someone else. And that's precisely what Jacob did. He stole his brother's birthright. And then he deceived his father and effectively stole his father's blessing that would have been reserved for the eldest son. And he did that with the collusion. I said it was Rachel, but it's Rebecca, of course, who is the mother. He stole that promise with the collusion of Rebecca and uh, secured the blessing for himself. And then he has to pay dearly for what he has done to Esau. He has to flee for his life. He's afraid of Esau's revenge. And his past then is filled with guile, with deceit, with selfish grasping, ambition. He is a liar of the first order. He even takes God's name when he speaks to Isaac and says to Isaac, when Isaac asks me, how did you get all this success in hunting? He said, well, the Lord gave me success. You liar, Jacob. It was your mother who concocted all this and produced the food, the favorite food for Isaac. And he's driven away. And for 20 years, he looks after sheep and he goes to be with Laban. Laban must be one of the meanest men in the whole of the Old Testament scriptures. But what he was doing was giving Jacob a taste of his own medicine. Jacob had been a deceiver. Laban's a deceiver. But God blesses him even then and prospers Jacob. And Laban knows that. But Jacob goes away with a a load of sheep and goats and returns to the land of Canaan. But God met him at various points in his life. Met him at Bethel or Luz. There in chapter 28. That's called the house of God. And he made a vow there. If the Lord be with me and keep me in this way. Gives me bread and clothing. And I return in peace. The Lord will be my God. And then again at Peniel. As he leaves labor and prepares with great fear to meet Esau, as he's still, after 20 years, bent on revenge. You know, I'm in danger. And God meets him at Peniel. And there he struggled with God, the angel of the Lord, and would not let God go. And he prevailed. And for the rest of his days, he walked with a limp. His socket, his hip socket, was put out of joint. It was a painful reminder, yet a reminder at the same time of God's grace and goodness to him. And he was renamed Israel. He was given a new status. Israel means prince with God. No longer the supplanter, the deceiver, but a prince with God. As God met with him, God did not deal with him as his sins deserved. He did not hear a voice of divine judgment because of his sin. And he was led to wonder at God's ways and to worship him. As he heard the voice of a gracious God and heard the promises of God, this man is brought to know this god as his god he is brought to repentance turning from his sin and his guile and his deceit and selfish ambition he's led to wonder at god's ways and he is humbled and he learns to trust in god isn't that what has happened to you if you are a christian Isn't it grace that has taught you in the same way that God taught this sinful, selfish deceiver? You may not have the same sins as Jacob, but you have sins and sins that would keep you far away from God if he were to mark them and count them against you. Now, I've given you a very inadequate thumbnail sketch. But when we are told in Hebrews chapter 11, that this man, as he was dying, was full of faith. That's how he blessed his grandsons. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 21. By faith, Jacob when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. A very different man from the man who stole Esau's birthright and stole the blessing and deceived his father. That's the work of God's grace. But see, secondly, now, having given you that thumbnail sketch, let me draw your attention. Let's focus in on this text and see what grace makes a person say about God. God is the one who has been dealing with him all these 147 years. And grace draws out a confession, grace draws out a testimony. Grace takes you by the hand and opens then your mouth to speak of what God has done in you and for you. Because grace changes a man or a woman's heart. It changes their desires, it changes their wills, it changes their motives, it changes their words and their attitudes and their actions no longer is this man the deceiver now he is a worshipper of god and as he begins this blessing in verses 15 and 16 of chapter 48 there is a threefold calling upon god first of all he calls on the god of abraham and isaac isaac with his father abraham his grandfather the god of the covenant who revealed promises to them about their descendants about the land of canaan promising to be their god jacob's faith is now firmly anchored in this same god god before whom my fathers abraham and isaac walked and he could have added i am now walking in that same path i am saying i know that same god and then thirdly I've missed out. Secondly, I'll come back to that. Thirdly, he speaks in verse 16 of the angel of the Lord who had redeemed me from all evil. That was God Himself in human form. I believe it means Jesus Christ in His pre incarnate state. But He's redeemed me, He's protected me, He's delivered me in times of trouble. That's what redemption means. And he refers to that specific event at Peniel. But the second invocation is the one I want us to focus. What does he say then about God? It's a remarkable testimony because he refers to the whole of his life. The God who has fed me all my life long to this day. Now, put that in the context of the checkered history of this man that we briefly tried to survey. And here he is, 147 years old. Here he is, soon to depart from this earth, and he confesses, this God has fed me all my life long to this day. That is a wonderful testimony of a weak and dying man. God has fed him, literally, It means God has shepherded me. It's a word that is used repeatedly in the Old Testament of a shepherd. Feeding the flock is only one part of being a shepherd. Some versions actually translate it. The God who has been a shepherd to me, my shepherd. Jacob had been a shepherd himself, like David, after him. He knew what it was to look after sheep. He knew how difficult it was. But shepherds in the Middle East used to lead their flocks. Don't think of a shepherd as you see a shepherd with his dog in this country. It's a very different skill that you need to be a shepherd looking after sheep and goats in the the Middle East. You led your flock. You guided them to good pasture. You supplied to supplies of water. You guarded them from wild animals. you looked after them when there wasn't rain around you found water for them you cared for them if they were sick and injured you didn't take them off to the vet there were no vets the shepherd was the vet he was the one who knew how to look after the sheep when they got diseased and bind up their wounds and strengthen them he refers to all the perils that he faced as a shepherd in chapter 31 and verse 14 he says God was with me when I was with labor when I was looking after the sheep when I was exposed to the cold and the frost and the drought when I was looking for good pasture this is what God had taught him this is what grace teaches you it teaches you to trace out the hand of God in your life and to confess him and to praise him Now, it's quite clear that Jacob had been doing this during his life. Let me just read for you a number of incidents where you can see how this testimony to God's grace would have grown. In chapter 28 and verses 13 to 15, we read there. Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. This is at Bethel. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east to the north and south and in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed and then notice what God says to him behold I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you now those are God's words to Jacob at Bethel he takes them on board he applies them and takes this is the promise of god this is the grace of god this is what he will do for me and he is going to trace that out in chapter 31 and verse 5 now this is jacob's testimony he is responding to what god told him at bethel And now as he flees from Laban, he says, verse 5, I see your father's countenance. He's speaking to Rachel and to Leah. I see your father's countenance that it was not favorable toward me as before. But then notice what he says. But the God, the God of my father has been with me. He's been a shepherd. He's guarded me. He's kept me. He's looked after me. And again, the same chapter in verse 42. Unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had been with me. Surely now you would have sent me away empty handed. God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. Those are his words to Laban. Again, he's testifying. You could do me no harm because God was with me. Or again, chapter 32 and verse 9. Again, he's on his way to meet Esau now. And Jacob said, Oh God, Of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. He's recalling the promises. He's applying those promises. He's been trusting in this God, and now he's tracing it out as events unfold in his life. I'm not worthy, he says, of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. He's been humbled, he's been brought to repentance. I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I've become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. He's, he's reflecting again on the promises. He's pleading those promises of God. And this is all adding to his testimony, his experience and his understanding of God's dealings with him. And then in verse 30, Peniel, Jacob called the place, this is 32, 30. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. I've seen God and I'm still alive. I've not died. He's watching over me. He's caring for me. And finally in chapter 35. And verse 3. He returns to Bethel. And says. Let us arise and go to Bethel. I will make an altar there to God. Who answered me. In the day of my distress. And has been with me. In the way which I have gone. Now all that is fed into our text this morning. When Jacob says this God has shepherded me all my life long to this day. He can look back over 147 years and that is what he says about God. that is what he says and what's the explanation the only explanation is the grace of god and the promises of god see if you become a christian when you become a christian you experience the grace and power of god and grace takes hold of you it changes your heart and your mind and your attitudes And it fills your mouth with good things about God, with a testimony about God and his goodness and kindness to you, his love, his faithfulness, his guidance, his shepherd-like love and care. See, grace conquers sin. Grace protects in a world full of sin, full of disappointments, Full of fears and anxieties. Jacob learned to cast himself upon God. And to prove God. To trust in God. But say the bottom line is. God has been gracious to this man. And the bottom line for you and for me. Is that God has been gracious to you. Can you speak as well as Jacob could speak of God. Now, you may not have lived, you haven't lived 147 years, you're not likely to live 147 years. But that's not the point. Has the grace of God so changed your life and filled your mouth with praise and thanksgiving to him? Because he has humbled you shown you his goodness and his kindness and made his promises real to you that brings me thirdly and lastly to say well if this is the case then make jacob's testimony your personal testimony i've been saying that really all along but now i want to drive that home by way of application jacob finished well by that I mean he died, and he died testifying to the goodness of the shepherd like God who had cared for him all the days of his life. He had had a turbulent life. Even after God had met with him at Bethel and again at Peniel, there were hard times. The diner incident in Shechem the apparent death and loss of Joseph and all the famine then that came as a consequence and his long journey down to Egypt. It wasn't easy. But this wasn't a story of all's well that ends well. That's the way the world speaks. That is not a biblical way of looking at your life. This is not just the wishful thinking of an old man who's beginning to lose it mentally. The fading memory. His memory is very good. And therefore his testimony of God is very good. He remembers the good things that God has done for him despite his sin and the sin of others against him. How can you make Jacob's testimony your own? Well, you cannot do that until you begin at the right place. The God who made you is the God who is gracious to sinners like you. You're a sinful creature, you deserve nothing, nothing but the wrath of God. Because of your sin. And I'm no different. When we come into this world, we are sinful. We go astray from our mother's womb. Isaiah says, all oh, we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone's gone their own way. That is what Jacob was doing. He wanted the blessing. He wanted the birthright. And he was going to not going to stop at anything to get them. Because of this driving selfish ambition. many of you will be familiar with psalm 23 really that's the next stopping point if you're going to go through scriptures because that describes how god is a shepherd to his people how god was a shepherd to david but that is echoed then clearly in this passage here this is the first passage where you find god referred to effectively as a shepherd I believe that Jacob would have sung Psalm 23 without any difficulty. He would be able to say, Surely goodness and mercy have followed me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Does that describe you? Is Jacob's testimony your testimony? Now, you might say, well, how can I taste God's grace? How can I know this grace? I'm not sure that I do know that grace. God revealed himself to Jacob in a very personal way. No angel of the Lord is going to appear to you. There's going to be no dreams, no visions. But God revealed himself to Jacob personally. Must I wait then for something similar? No. Must I wait till the end of my life? No, definitely not. The longer you leave coming to Christ, the more difficult it will be. And the less likely you are to do that. What must you do? Well, we have the scriptures. These are the living and abiding words of God. And here in the scriptures, and here Sunday by Sunday, you hear the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You hear about the forgiveness of sins through the atoning death of Christ on the cross. You hear about the gift of eternal life that Christ gives to those who put their trust and confidence in him. And if you will ever have a testimony like the testimony of Jacob, then you must begin by coming to Jesus Christ to be saved from your sins, to know that you are forgiven, to find your heart and life changed And the grace and power of God seizing hold of you and changing the whole direction of your life. You need to see the son of God, the descendant of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the son of God who took flesh and blood and who suffered and who died an awful death on the cross in order that we might have our sins washed away turning aside the wrath of God because he bore the wrath of God that we deserved. And when we see then the incarnate Son of God crucified and going to him and running to him as the only saviour, then we find out we are humbled because that's the only way you can come because you cast yourself as a lost and guilty sinner upon the Lord Jesus Christ and you cry out to him for mercy you come to Christ as the Redeemer because he is the one who can save you and deliver you from your guilt and from the bondage of sin and from death itself. And he is the only one. Then that's where you must begin. He is the only one who can bring you to that point. Then when, as you live your life, the rest of your life, you can trace out the goodness and the kindness of God the grace and power of God, and bring you to that point where you can say, this is the God who has shepherded me all my life long to this day. That is the beginning, coming to Christ, to be saved from your sins. You don't have to wait until you're an old man, an old woman. You come as you are, A young boy, a young girl, you come to Christ, he will save. That's what he did with Jacob. You fly on the wings of faith to the goodness of God. Of course, there will be times of trial, there will be tribulations, there will be sickness. There'll be disappointments. There'll be anxious moments in your life. Your failings in the past will come back like a bad indigestion to remind you. And Satan will try to undermine your faith and your trust in Christ. He will try and drive a wedge between you and Christ. There will be temptations, therefore. There will be threats, perhaps, to your life. But those trials and those temptations, if they are rightly handled, will never silence your lips and crush that testimony to God's shepherd-like love and care day by day. You say, well, how, how can that be? Well, look at the life of Jacob. His life was full of fears and anxieties, full of doubts, and full of his own personal failings. But you see, God deals well with those who put their trust in Him despite all their failings, their sins, and their weaknesses. God does not change in times of sickness, bad health. In life, in death, he's able to sanctify our distresses, deliver us from real evils, supply all our particular needs, and satisfy the deepest longings and desires of our heart. John Calvin said of the life of Jacob, by the rare and wonderful power of God, he had been in extraordinary manner delivered from many dangers. That should be your testimony. The older you get as a Christian, the stronger that testimony should be. I've tried to trace out all being inadequately in the time available to trace out some of the stages. Where Jacob is being drawn away from his old sinful self to put his trust and confidence in God, to remember the promises that he has been given and to live by those promises. This conviction, or this testimony rather, of Jacob should become increasingly your conviction. So you say, It is God, it is the living God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yes, the God and Father of my Lord Jesus Christ. This is the God who has shepherded me all my life long to this day. And if he's done it up to this day, he's not going to fail you now. He's not going to fail you. You will die full of faith, trusting, confident in this God. Jacob proved God's faithfulness. And God filled his lips and his mouth with praise and thanksgiving let it fill your heart let this testimony be yours and thrill your heart filling you with confidence renewing your love for god and renewing your resolve to walk like jacob before the god of abraham isaac and jacob amen let's pray Lord, we marvel that you have not left us to ourselves and to our sin and to our folly, to our blindness. You've not left us to the shame of sin and the wrath that will come upon us. You've reached down to us as you reached down to Jacob in grace and power. And you change hearts and lives and fill our mouths with praise and thanksgiving to you lord may these things be so for us as a congregation here this morning bless your word to each and every one of us young and old and may the praise and glory redound to you forever and forever amen